Let's just get right down to business. The Joe Roberts Show. This, this is The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show. On today's show, we have Lauren Mahler, the CEO of Jupiter Exchange. We're going to go into details about the project, funding, the team, and any plans on the roadmap. Lauren, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's exciting to get a chance to chat about what we do all the time instead of just talking to myself. <laughs> and Jupiter <laughs> Exchange is somewhat of a newer project to the scene. So why don't you go into details? What prompted you and why did you actually start it? <laughs> what What are we doing here? Yeah. So no, all of those are great questions. And I, I ask myself those constantly. So always exciting to talk about them with someone else. So Jupiter Exchange is... We consider ourselves a financial technology company. So we are creating a publicly accessible alternative asset market, leveraging NFT technology and the underlying blockchain, obviously. So the alternative asset market, as you know, is basically anything that you can invest in that's not a stock or a bond. So all the cool stuff, physical, tangible assets, art, cars, jewelry, those kinds of things that people tend to want to put their money in as a more stable long-term investment, especially when there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. So that particular market is very... It's operated the same way for hundreds of years, thousands of years. It's essentially an auction-based model. If you have $2 million, you can go to an auction, you can buy a Picasso, that's great. You're not going to see a return on that investment unless somebody's willing to pay you $3 million for that same Picasso later. So not a lot of liquidity, not a lot of movement in that space. So we saw an opportunity to leverage the emerging technology and a bunch of the innovative opportunity coming out of the NFT space to combine these two things. And that's basically what we're doing. So the short version, and happy to, to dive into any of these details that you may be interested in, in talking about more, but the short overview of what we're doing is taking these alternative assets, so taking, say, that work of art, turning the ownership of that asset into an NFT, and then fractionalizing it. So anybody can purchase fractions of this asset at a much more reasonable, accessible price. So expanding market access to these items. But then the second piece, really, of what we do is we're also establishing an exchange, a fully regulated exchange where these fractions can then be traded in a traditional bid-ask model. So injecting liquidity and price discovery and things into what have been a traditionally very solid, not moving very much market. That's where we are. That's the, the road that we're on. So how did you come up with this idea or why did you even start down this path? So myself and the team that I work with, we have a lot of folks with very deep financial backgrounds who saw this space and thought there is room here and there's opportunity here to make some changes and sort of modernize, if you will, this very archaic market structure. And as we started putting the pieces together and bringing the technology to bear and just really thinking through how all of these pieces could interconnect into a single product, if you will, we came up with Jupiter. Interesting. So what are the first things that come to mind when you guys are trying to tokenize or get on the platform? What are you going after first? 
we plan to cover a variety of verticals. We say anything that falls into that alternative asset category except real estate. Nobody wants to touch real estate. So most likely we will start with art, potentially cars, and then expand from there into a variety of other things to include the collectible market, what I term sort of that Hollywood memorabilia part of the world that everyone gets really excited about. My interest is leaning towards things that have an inherent value. If I have to explain to you why this painting is valuable, then it's not what we're looking for on our site. So we have the ability to curate entirely our full pipeline of assets. Things that that people get excited about, things that people are passionate about in both the collector space, fans, pop culture items, things like that. So they have the Picasso or they have certain art, right? Mm -hmm. Why would one want to maybe fractionalize it to begin with? So we kind of look at the benefits from two perspectives. Like you were just saying, there's the current owner, the asset owner perspective and the benefits, and then the buyer and investor side of things. So from the asset owner point of view, generally when you own, I always go back to Picasso because everyone understands why Picasso is valuable. So when you own that Picasso, you have this great asset, but you have no, you have very little liquidity from that. The benefit to that owner is to be able to actually create a liquidity event for that asset. So as we work through the details of all of this through existing regulatory structures, which is a a big piece of, of what I think about every day, the best way to think about it is taking that asset and the NFT that is created for the ownership and then fractionalized, the current asset owner maintains the majority share of those fractions. So they maintain possession. They get to keep their thing. While others can then subscribe to the other fractions and then exchange them as an investment opportunity on our platform, on our exchange as well. So it's kind of like going through what we describe as a little mini IPO process. And as you know, there are a variety of different ways that you can do that. And we're figuring out what is going to be the most appropriate for different assets as they kind of go through that underwriting process and then get ready to actually sell the fractions. So this would be great for those that own assets, want some kind of liquidity, but still probably even want to control yeah. ownership of that asset, right? Exactly. You don't want a hole on your wall. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one wants to suddenly have to ship their Picasso, you know, halfway around the world. So that's not the plan. Do you think fractionalizing assets like this would actually maybe increase the value of something or decrease the value of an asset? You know, sometimes some might view it as one person owns it as a whole, it's more valuable. And then someone says, well, if you, a lot of people can own it, sometimes that increases the value. How do you see that? So you can make arguments on both sides of that because currently so much of the value assigned to these assets in the existing market structure comes from sentiment, comes from 10 guys walk in a room and they're duking it out to see who gets to pay $10 million for this thing. And then one of them wins and does, and that's it. What I think we will see and what I'm excited to actually be able to put into practice on the exchange is to inject an element of true price discovery into this existing market where as those fractions are bought and sold, 
traded moving around in a much more liquid environment, then we actually start to hone in on what the true value is. And I think I would be personally very surprised if value decreased because you have all of a sudden an entirely expanded market. You have so many people who love art, who like to invest in new things, who like to, I call them either adventurous investors or really passionate collectors. And they've not been able to access these assets previously because it has been such a closed market. So all of a sudden you expand access to who knows how many people. And I think there's going to be an inherent value in that expanded access that we're going to see play out on the exchange. That's my personal expectation. I don't think we'd be doing this if all of a sudden we thought we were going to tank the value of you know the global art market. I think that's not the expectation, but it it is going to be an interesting outcome to observe how those different forces sort of play out. So you guys are looking to, I guess, go out and find people that are willing to put assets on your platform, correct? And kind of curate that way? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Any game plan on also maybe acquiring assets and kind of tokenizing them on your platform or not for now? Uh, no plans right now to acquire assets on our own. Okay. I am not interested in buying art. I am interested in building a platform that facilitates additional access to investment in other people's art. My walls are just fine. Well, they don't look very fine right now, but they are they are full. Do you have any prospects or anything in line, like who, who you go after first to kind of bring them on the platform and set a precedent? So obviously we you know, aren't going to share names or anything at this time, yep. but we have been having conversations with various collectors and individuals who have various pieces, both in art and in other verticals, who have expressed interest in being a part of the process. Okay. And... As we're going through that process, you decide on a piece of artwork you're willing to put on the platform. What typically do you see will happen next from a marketing standpoint, a registration standpoint, an auction style? How will that work? So the specific details of how we will work through existing regulatory structures to get from interest in selling art to fractions traded on the exchange, you know, the devil's always in the details. Yep. And... We're doing this in and intentionally embracing the existing regulations around capital markets in this space. Going from the actual asset, there will be an individualized um, underwriting process that takes that asset owner and takes that specific asset to the point where it is ready to be registered and be fractionalized. And then following sort of the traditional subscription model, meeting that threshold, and then transitioning to the exchange. So the specifics of the various regulations that will be at play and the various valuations and price thresholds of different things that we'll go through are the details that are being figured out at the moment and are going to be variable depending on the assets that go through the process. Now, would this typically fall in lines, uh, I guess, with stuff under $5 million under the CF type guidelines for the crowdfunding under $5 million through a broker-dealer? And, you know, will that be a partner or will you guys acquire that license? And is that kind of the first asset you'll go after because that's the lowest hanging so fruit? So you're asking all the right questions. Absolutely. Um, and so we have a couple of different options of whether we go through Reg CR, whether we go through Reg A. 
for various pricing and various valuations, each of which have different types of limitations on what we can do and when and who can be involved. So the answers to those specific questions are what we're working through right now and figuring out how we're going to apply those to what we have. But we're not specifically looking to start with the lower valuation assets. Don't necessarily see those as lower hanging fruit as much as another option of how we can go through the process. Got it. And so who do you think is going to be the first target buyers? You know, do you think that's going to come from the traditional main street or within crypto itself? How do you see that play out? So I personally think that we're going to have both off the bat because I think you've got investors in, if we're looking at it as sort of two camps, the the crypto NFT familiar people who are looking for something new and different and what's next to invest in in that space. And this gives them a new opportunity, a whole new asset class to jump into. From the point of getting to see what is available and actually jump into and be active on the exchange, you have to really learn what that technology is and how that works. So obviously, there is a first mover advantage to someone who is already familiar with NFTs, who isn't an investor that says, this is great. How do I create a wallet? somebody who's already got those pieces to kind of connect and move more quickly. So I anticipate that we will have early participants coming from the existing familiar NFT space. But at the same time, I don't expect them to be that far behind for the more traditional investors to want to participate in a market that sounds and looks familiar that just requires them to adopt a new technology. Yeah, I feel like the, uh, we'll call them crypto native doesn't like the friction of KYC, uh, you know, credit investor type stuff, the subscription process, we'll call it. But the Main Street doesn't like the whole crypto process and okay to do the subscription process. So it's like... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we, we absolutely are by design positioning ourselves between the two worlds. And that's a fun space to be in. A lot of people, to me and to our team, a lot of startups tend to shy away from going in that space and lean one towards the other. And I think we see both as our our home. There will be obvious KYC requirements as necessary to participate in the exchange, but I would be surprised if that bar was so high that it actually kept market participants out of the platform. All right. So I bought shares of this artwork and let's say, you know, further down the road, I would like to sell them. What does that process look like? And also the liquidity that's actually going to be available on the exchange. So the exchange is being created with liquidity in mind. That's not a a hurdle we plan on tripping over. That's clearly a huge challenge in a lot of the crypto space right now. We consider that traditional finance, like lesson learned, like we're not even going to try and start something like this without that liquidity built into it. So that is there. When you have, you've got the fractions, they're on the exchange, they're sitting there, you decide you want to sell them. Great. You go onto the exchange as you would with any other exchange and you sell them. Um, It's going to be just like any other exchange-based platform. 
All right. And so let's uh, go back to also the Picasso, right? You know, I'm buying <laughs> fractions of this and we don't know where it's stored or the owner storing in a certain location. You know, is everyone going to retain the rights to ownership? Will there be a custodian or a certain storage that's going to link the asset? And how is that protected? The investors? Sure. So part of the process for us, part of part of that initial onboarding process for asset owners is going to be an asset owner agreement that requires uh, a fully insured asset that requires, depending on the asset, specific restrictions around usage. If you're, if the asset that you are bringing to list is, say, a high-end race car, you're not going to take it out to the track and crash it on Saturday. There are asset-specific requirements that will be built into that that ensure protections for that asset to the extent that we're we're able to get those guarantees. Owner asset agreement and protections and insurance is going to what's going to protect everybody, right? And my, I guess, what I was thinking is, how do you, how do you guys underwrite these assets, or who is the actual underwriter on this to make sure these are actually valid, authentic assets that are being put on the platform? So, authentication is obviously a huge challenge across the board. As much as it is in not only the NFT space, but as much as you have those challenges in the existing art market and everywhere else as well. So. For an asset to actually be part of our pipeline, to be curated onto our platform, there will have to be very firm verification standards for what is actually coming to us. It's not an open listing process. You can't just show up and say, I've got a Picasso, boom, there it is. So that is a piece, um, again, of the specific details and process that we are working through, but one of the principles that we will be holding to, to ensure that what we're trading is actually what we say we're trading. No, the owners of the assets have to pay certain fees to the exchange for a listing. And how do you see that? There will be listing fees. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And any other aspects from revenue standpoint? So the fees that are coming into this at various points in the process are essentially what you would expect from the various markets that we're combining into our platform. So you'll have minimal transaction fees on the exchange. There will be listing fees required for asset owners to go through this process and list on the exchange. There will be additional opportunities to pay for additional market data as the exchange gets up and running and develops a a history of exchange data. We intend to make information and details about the assets very transparent so you know what it is, what its history is, what its verification has been, but the specific market trading data over time will be another another opportunity. So we kind of fall into those buckets right now. One of the biggest questions I asked over the years, especially when it came to the real estate side, is how do these investors actually <laughs> underwrite the asset themselves? Like, let's say this Ferrari's parked in this certain area. How do they underwrite it themselves? You know, you have an asset on the platform. I guess it's how is that investor protected and guaranteed if they can't do their own inspection or anything, you know, is that... Oh, if they can't actually go and inspect. Correct. So that's just part of the the trust and credibility that an investor would have in us as a company and as a platform to actually be doing our due diligence on the front end to ensure that nothing is getting to the point of being traded on the exchange that isn't fully legitimate and has the credibility built into it because that's that's a huge part of what our company values tell us we're going to do. 
And so will it be like, do you see uh, frequent like asset updates or photography or videos that, you know, is done on a quarterly basis from the uh, asset owner? I actually love that idea. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, hold on. Let me make a note real quick. Or if the car is parked in the garage, you know, he sets up a camera so that people understand that it's not moving, right? Like at the zoo where you have like the drop <laughs> cam so you can like watch whatever it does during the day, just in case. Um, so I haven't thought about a zoo cam, but... A big piece of what we'll do, you would ask questions earlier about marketing and things like that. One of our big elements will be building out that library of imagery and content and and history around each of these assets so that you're not just seeing Picasso, thumbnail, are you in, are you out? Do you want to buy, yes or no? That you're actually getting a more fulsome view and sense of what that asset is, where it's been, where it is now. I think that's very important. I want people to be able to feel like they actually own a real thing, that they're not just checking a box on a screen and then trading it on an exchange. I think for people who care about these assets and who care about these asset verticals, you know, the art lovers, the car lovers, the people who are the big Hollywood memorabilia all focused on like a specific you know, icon or a star or something to be able to feel like you really understand and know and can identify the thing that you now own a part of is a really big part of this. I think that's, to me, that's a big piece as well. And so whether down to the the specific tactical level of will we update imagery every quarter, you know, here's the art hanging on the wall. Here's the art still hanging on the wall. I mean, that's, that's up for consideration, I guess. Like I said, that's a, that's a great idea. I haven't necessarily thought that deeply about that piece of it over time. But I think being able to get as close as possible for someone to feel like they really know the thing they're investing in is a big piece of this. There's a, there's a huge passion element to this that is around these type of assets that we want to capture here as well. And you think it's that story and the ability of certain people to participate that makes this very intriguing at different, let's call it investment levels or income levels, really to get a portion yeah. of this and have their own story? I think it does. Absolutely. The and, and you hit it right there. That's the perfect description for it. There is a story around each of these assets just based on the inherent nature of what they are and being able to tell that story so that people can feel that sense of excitement about this thing that they now actually have a chance to own is a big part of what I see our role being in building this and in bringing these assets through. It's not just a matter of checking a bunch of compliance boxes, getting things qualified and then throwing them on the exchange. It's really helping people connect with the story around these items that they've never really gotten to connect with before. Can you kind of tell us maybe a little bit about any other members on your team that are in place to strategically bring on the first assets or what other members are doing? We recently, within the last couple of months, closed out our seed round funding uh, from White Hilt Capital. Um, and their, you know, White Hilt's managing partner is a big fan in this space and really likes using the technology, uh, finding companies that are using technology in ways to kind of disrupt some of these older sort of more, I don't know, stayed markets. And so there are a lot of, as you said, partnerships are going to be a huge element of this. So finding those partners, finding those studios, finding those individual asset owners, 
who are willing to be a part of this and then watch that ecosystem grow from there is mostly the plan right now. All right. So you guys already raised a seed round. Kind of what are you guys doing over the next 12 to 24 months? <laughs> Launching <laughs> the, the damn thing. <laughs> I know. What does the roadmap look like? What is, you know, what are your goals? Right. So for me, my top goals um, in the coming months, and I would say on a timeline much shorter than 12 to 24, yep. is actually launching the exchange, getting this thing out the door. So that involves finalizing what the specifics are going to look like around the legal and regulatory elements. That involves then taking those assets who are essentially on standby right now and working them through that process and then getting the actual exchange up and running, actually pulling it off. So a big focus right now is on hiring. We're growing, we're expanding the team, not just in sort of the tech and development side as well, but across the board. You talked about folks who are supporting those partnerships and who are building out those partnerships with the asset owners. That's a team that we're currently expanding on even more. So building the team, putting the pieces in place with folks who can then grow out the different aspects of the team as all of this is coming together. I keep describing it as sort of a circle of dominoes of they all need to fall at once, but you have to decide which one to push first on any given day. So the hiring and growing and building out, expanding on what's already a great team into an even more experienced team across these different aspects is my personal priority right now. And do you see any competitors in the space that you kind of have to go up against right now? So there are obviously a lot of other, I would say, fairly new-ish companies that are feeling their way out across that divide between the digital NFTs and the physical assets and figuring out what those marketplaces can look like, figuring out what those sales can look like, how to create those collections. But I've not yet seen anybody who is doing that and pairing it up with the exchange that allows those ownership fractions to then be traded as additional investments and building out that that new asset class. So you kind of see that as your value add or your niche? Absolutely. Hands down. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I mean, I think we covered practically everything, right? <laughs> I could talk about this all day. I, I do it all the time. So if you have anything else, let me know. <laughs> Any other aspects that you would like to cover? Not necessarily. I think that you hit on a lot of the specific pieces that we expect to be the areas of interest. So I, I loved your questions because they're they're jumping into, yep, that's a great question, figuring that out. Yep, that's a great question. Here's what we're doing. I think it's really just right now, you know, people can go, they can sign up for our waitlist so that when things are ready and things are moving, it's ready to go. And you're there and you're ready to go. We'll have the processes in place to sign up prior to actual listing so that, you know, you don't lose time once something actually gets listed by connecting all the dots. All of that will be ready shortly prior to anything going live. It's really right now just we're in that excited place where you can see it. Like we're close enough that you can you can see what's coming and you can see how all the pieces are going to come together. And now it's just a matter of, of bringing them in and getting to tell this story over and over again, which clearly I'm a gigantic nerd about because I think this is super fun. That's good. Uh, one thing that just came is obviously people are going to invest based on the story. They want to be connected to that asset, but ultimately people definitely are investing their capital, right? Yep. So from a price feed standpoint or historical values, how do you see people uh, coming up with their own valuation or opinion and where might they get that data? 
on a particular asset? So the data on individual assets is part of what will be available on the site, part of what will be available in that sort of asset library information, if you will. And then as the asset exists on the exchange and starts building up its exchange historic data over time, that information, that that market value will be available as well. All right. For everybody listening that would like to obviously sign up and join, where should they go? What should they do? Uh, JupiterExchange.com. We're, we're pretty easy to find. We're in the process of a yet another exciting website overhaul. So go check it out, sign up for the wait list. And yeah, you'll, you'll hear about it first. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me here today. The Joe Roberts Show. 